Let's Get Haunted with your hosts, Matt Strawn and Allie. Hey guys, welcome back to episode 58. Welcome back and have you bought some merch? If you have, you can disregard (laughs) this next message, but if you haven't, you gotta buy some merch. I need you to be panicking right now. Like, just be panicking. You have to stop everything you're doing. Go to the website, www.letsgethaunted, and panic buy a piece of merch right now. That's the only right way now, you're going to feel hurry. better. It's the only way to keep the demons away. All of our merch is 100% certified haunted. <laughs> Go there before your size sells out. Get it. It'll protect you from the ghost demons and... um bad vibes or it'll bring the bad right. vibes to you whichever one you want <laughs> you figure it out <laughs> are you feeling toxic wear a piece of merch do uh the three kings ritual oh that natalia God. talked about on the sleep paralysis demon episode <laughs> and report back to us has anyone done that i don't i don't think anyone is insane enough to have done it yet i somebody commented though saying that like they weren't able to sleep after they heard the three kings ritual because it was so haunted it's so terrifying just the thought of like someone even doing that just like having the balls to do that makes me so afraid yeah you are not someone to be messed with like some people think that like gangsters are the toughest people or like people with guns or people who know kung fu no it's whoever is insane enough (laughs) To be able to do the Three Kings ritual, you are the most powerful person on earth. I totally agree. <laughs> yeah. If anyone's ever done that, you need to reach out to us. Yeah, please. Let us know what happened to you. <laughs> Unless if you reach out to us and you are possessed by a demon and you are able to tell us that, give mm. us give us an email. Shoot us an email at letsgethauntedpod at gmail.com. Yes. Speaking of listener stories, some of you have been asking, hey, where do I send my listener stories? And you've been like DMing me or DMing Let's Get Haunted or DMing Nat your stories. And I just want to say definitely email them. I don't know if you guys have run into this problem, but if you get too many DMs from people that you're not following, they can get pushed down. It's Mm -hmm. like every 100, I think, DMs, it'll like start to erase. So definitely email us. Let's get haunted pod at gmail.com. Every 10 episodes, we do listener stories. And some of your sleep paralysis stories that you've been DMing us are honestly horrifying. And I would love it for you to send them to us so we can read them off on our next listener story episode. Yes. Yeah. When is that coming? It's coming up, right? It's coming up. I think it's episode 60 and a half is going to so pretty soon. That's like Mm. three, three or four episodes from now. I can't count, but it's pretty soon. It's less than five. But oh, real quick. I did want to say, though, that I did see one DM that was like the perfect mixture of episode 56 and episode 57. It was someone who had a sleep paralysis dream about a catfish. What? Yes. I told them to email us. That is horrifying. Okay, by the way, that catfish photo that you posted in the photo dump (laughs) is not, there's no way that's real. Our catchphrase on this podcast is the only investigative journalism podcast about shit that may or may not have even happened in the first place. You decide whether or not that photo is real to you. Okay, touche. It just really stands out (laughs) against the rest of the photos from that episode. And I just wanted to know if you knew what you were posting. Did you see the caption? What did it say? 
It said, this is a photo of a catfish that was allegedly caught in Mississippi, not Lake Lanier, which is in Georgia. However, I would like you to stare at this photo <laughs> while you are listening to the legend of fish head. And you tell me that that is not the scariest shit you've ever heard in your life. Right. Okay. Now I see. So yeah. you were just giving yeah. some photo context for people. Exactly. Like, you don't know what a catfish is? Look at this ugly motherfucker and tell me about it. This is also not a catfish. This is not the right (laughs) size or parameters or even a real photo. But yes, you please look at this catfish and assume that that is what my episode is about. If you don't know what we're talking about, go to the Instagram post for episode 57 and yes. look at the photo of the man. I think he's wearing like rubber boots standing next to like yeah. a huge catfish that's like probably yeah. the size of a small 700 sedan. pounds. Yeah. Yeah. And you tell me what you think of that photo. Yeah. Also, you are not the first person to say that to me because somebody in the comments who was very, very nice, but he was like, hey, I go fishing a lot and I catch catfish. <laughs> and I know that there are some catfish that are like 400 pounds, but that... <laughs> picture that you posted is like very obviously not a real catfish like no catfish weighs a thousand pounds and that catfish is definitely like a thousand pounds I was loving all of the Twitter replies and replies of people saying oh when Allie was saying that Lake Lanier was beautiful and it was just like a gif of someone like looking disgusted apparently like no yeah apparently the lake has like a a reputation for being full of trash I mean it makes sense because it's literally built on top of you know cities and then someone else said that they went there and accidentally crashed a boat into like an underground like a house (laughs) i laughed out loud to that comment let me open it real quick yeah please read it this one came from at moose goose uh underscore underscore on instagram and they wrote Y'all, I've grown up next to Lake Lanier my whole life. Everyone knows it's haunted. My parents never let me go on boat rides because it's so dangerous. One time in high school, there had been an intense drought, and I sneakily went out with some friends, and we crashed their shitty boat into a fucking house under the water. (laughs) That night, I had a really vivid nightmare of my house flooding and me drowning inside. Did a ghost farmer implant that dream into my brain for crashing into his water home? Absolutely. (laughs) What I love about that comment is why is it a ghost farmer? Like, why was that? Oh, I guess because it's farmland underneath. Well, because they ran out all those farmers. Yeah, so that they could flood the area. I do love the idea of a ghost farmer, though. Yeah, and I also love the idea of a water home. Like, the ghost (laughs) farmer's just living in this water home, and then a boat crashes into it, and he's like, oh, hell no. Gonna haunt the shit out of this bitch tonight. We should do an episode on the entire ocean. Like, just think about how many people have died in it. Like, the episode would be, like, four-day long, like, recording. And it's like, listen to all this crazy shit that has happened in this thing called the ocean. And it's like, it literally touches every continental landmass. It's like just us on speed and we're live streaming for four days straight. Just like, and then there's this part in the Indian Ocean where this happened. And then there's this part up over by Antarctica where this happened. Yeah. Yeah. That would be beautiful. I would love that. (laughs) Yeah. Keep the comments coming. Uh, I was also so pleasantly surprised. We have a ton of listeners in Georgia. Maybe our first ever live Mm -hmm. show after the pandemic is over should be in Georgia because there were a shit ton of people that were like, oh, my God, I live two miles from that lake that place is haunted as shit or like oh I live like five miles from that lake maybe we should do a live show on Lake Lanier 
I love that because my fiance is from Georgia and a bunch of his friends are from Georgia. And so like I was actually talking about the Lake Lanier episode and they were like, oh, you know, so what's what's up with the podcast? And I was like, oh, we just recorded this episode about like Lake Lanier. And they were like, Lake Lanier. I love that. Oh, my God. That's a great. Oh, wow. That's so awesome. I can't believe you did that lake. And I was like, yeah, it's super haunted. And they were like, what? And I was like, oh, they didn't yeah. Know? Yeah, I had no idea. I was like, a bunch of people have died in it. Like people like go missing in it all the time. And people report feeling like they're getting dragged under the water. And sometimes people like drive their cars in it. Like their bodies aren't found for a long time after. And they were like, I've never heard any of that. And I was like, yeah, there's orbs and stuff. And then the whole time I'm telling them this and they're saying they've never heard of that. And they just love Lake Lanier. And they have like so many good memories on it. I'm like slowly distancing myself away from them. I'm like, these <laughs> people are fucking haunted. <laughs> you know what? I was thinking I was thinking maybe if you're already haunted and you go to a haunted location the two hauntednesses just cancel each other out and you just have a fun time on a fun lake right like I doubt Satan would feel haunted inside like an old scary house he would just be like oh let me make myself at home here you know Oh, just have a cup of tea. This is where I... Why does he sound like Dr. Phil? I like don't know, Satan? but I love that feeling of Dr. Phil Satan. You know, I'm missing our fan art. We used to have a really good fan art going. Oh, yeah. Beginning of the year, you guys. We need some more fan art. Can we get a Satan having his own show like Dr. Phil <laughs> sitting and interviewing different like paranormal entities and asking them what's going on. Oh my god, that would be amazing. Or like if they need to go to the ranch. The ranch is just hell. Like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> If this is your first time to listen to this podcast, yes. by the way, and you're like, um, where the fuck is the story in the title that I read about? By the way, we do about a 20 minute intro every episode. So you can skip ahead to 20 minutes and the story will begin. Right. And lately we've actually been being much more succinct with our intros. So hopefully everyone that is triggered by our personal lives can <laughs> skip ahead. Maybe actually we might even be able to make it to the 15 minute mark instead of 20 today. You just never know. We've yeah. been really efficient lately. There's nothing haunted happening right now. Everything's balanced because it's the new year and it's a new me. Yeah. New year, new me. Um, the only haunted thing I have to say, which I texted you about, Natalia, was that the other day in the area where I live, the winds were up to 60 or 70 miles an hour and like people's fences fell down, like my gate fell down from my backyard for the place I'm renting. There were like downed power lines. There were trees in the middle of the road. Mm. And I live close to like a mountainous area and I was driving home from work. And as soon as I got off the freeway, it was just pitch black all the way up to my house. And it was fucking creepy. Because the lights were all out? Lights were all out everywhere. Not a single street light was on. Because uh, Edison doesn't want to get sued again. If you guys are unfamiliar with California geography, we have these really <laughs> crazy winds called the Santa Anas. And they're like hot and dry. And they can start fires. And so last year, I think, or maybe two years ago, there was this really bad fire where people were literally stuck in traffic trying to escape. I think it was called the Paradise Fire, trying to escape their town, which was literally on fire, and they couldn't get out in time. So a lot of people just burned up in their cars, like died what? in their cars. It was really fucking intense. It was mostly old people. It oh, was that's really so sad. sad. I've never heard of that. Yeah. And so Edison got sued, which is our power company here in Southern California. And actually, this this fire was in Northern California. So I guess I think they have a monopoly on all of California, Edison. And so they got sued for like millions of dollars because I guess the fire started from one of their transformers when the Santa Ana winds were really high, like a mm. transformer sparked and then the winds carried it and right. set this whole town on fire. And so they can't have another 
lawsuit on their hands because they always have to get bailed out by the government. And so they did a rolling blackout in my area, but didn't tell anyone. And so I was like driving home from work and it's all of a sudden all the lights just shut off right when I got off the freeway. It was pitch black. I get to my house. I have no cell service where I live, so I rely on Wi-Fi. I had no Wi-Fi, no cell service, uh, no lights. It was pitch black. It was, And I was oh just like, God. I'm going to get fucking murdered tonight. I was so scared. Did you think you were about to get abducted by aliens? Like, that's my I first actually, thought. If all of the lights just went out and I was, like, in a truck just driving through, like, cornfield lands and it's all dark. Oh, that would have been way cooler. No, I was watching. I've been watching The Night Stalker on Netflix. Oh. Have you seen that? About Richard Ramirez, who, like, murdered a bunch of people in L.A. Yeah, the Eliza Lamb episode from the Cecil Hotel. He stayed at the Cecil Hotel. That's right. You're right. right. Oh, man. F- full circle, because that's going to be another special on Netflix. Did you see that? No. Yeah. They're coming out with like a documentary about uh, her death. If you don't know what we're talking about, go back to episode two of our podcast. This is an OG episode. It's a really right. good episode. It's about this mysterious death that happened in L.A. We talk about Richard Ramirez. We talk about Elisa Lam. And both of those subjects are now Netflix documentaries. Wow. Yeah. Started from the bottom. Started from the bottom, <laughs> now slightly above the bottom. <laughs> Welcome to Let's Get Haunted. Well, that's great but, because then maybe people will be interested in it and listen to our podcast episodes about that. Yeah, I know. Hopefully people will like be Googling or searching on Spotify, Elisa Lamb, and then they'll come across our episode. Right. Definitely. Yeah, that's the only haunted thing happening to me is that I thought Richard Ramirez, even though he's in jail or dead, I'm not really sure where he is right now, or like someone else would night stalk me in my home because I literally had no cell service and no lights. But you're okay, right? You made it. I'm okay. Yes, I'm back safely in my closet where I record these episodes. (laughs) I'm here with my friend Natalia. We're going to have a very safe haunted time today. I hope she doesn't scare me too bad. So... This episode, I, I'm honestly so confused after <laughs> researching this episode <laughs> because I think I just like bit off a little bit more than I could chew. I was going on a hike with my friend and she told me this like crazy story of something that had happened to her in her childhood and it really sparked my interest, right? And I was like, that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. And so I started Googling more about this particular phenomena and then now I'm just really confused and uh yeah so i feel like i need to just tell you this so that you can decipher all of this information i've taken in and help me figure out what the fuck is going on (laughs) okay well i'm really excited i'm ready to hear your haunted episode and i hope it doesn't scar me as bad as the sleep paralysis one did the sleep paralysis one like scars you in a sense that you are scared afterwards and you like can't sleep and get it out of your mind this one is more just like why did I have to learn about all of that and and think about this now? So to get started, I'm going to send you a photo, which I want you to read off. Okay. It says, you are cordially invited to a reception for time travelers hosted by Professor Stephen Hawking to be held at the University of Cambridge, Gonville and Caius College, Trinity Street, Cambridge, location, 52 degrees, 12 minutes, 21 seconds north, 0 degrees, 7 minutes, 4.7 seconds east, time 
12 ut 2009 no RSVP required. What do you make of that? It sounds like Stephen Hawking was like, hey, I'm going to put this out into the world, this flyer. And then if there are time travelers, they're going to see this flyer and they're going to show up to where I am, to where I want them to be. That's exactly right. Back in 2009, Stephen Hawking, or rather Professor Stephen Hawking, threw a party for time travelers. And the party was lit. It had hors d'oeuvres, balloons, <laughs> even chilled champagne. And he waited patiently for his time traveler guests to arrive. But ultimately, nobody came. And after the party ended, he mailed the invitations that you just read to the party so that only people with access to time travel could show up by traveling into the past. Of course, just because no one came doesn't mean that time travel doesn't exist. So the blog Giant Freaking Robot came up with a few possible reasons why <laughs> people wouldn't show up to this time traveler party. One of the reasons they surmised was that perhaps the party took place on a different reality timeline or the invitations didn't survive long enough for anyone to see because they are made of paper, you know, or, mm -hmm. quote, time travelers are just dicks. Or <laughs> time travelers don't have control of their time traveling. Or, most ominously, Hawking killed all the time travelers to preserve the space-time continuum. Oh, shit. So do you, what do you know about time travel, Alyssa? Do you have like any research or experience? Has this ever like piqued your interest? Have you looked into this? Have you watched anything about it? Um, it's definitely piqued my interest. I know you and I have talked about a couple little stories that we've seen on the internet that like aren't long enough to be able to be an entire LGH episode, but that may or may not involve time traveling. The, what I know about it is that currently it's not possible. There are some scientists who think in the future we might have the technology to be able to do it. But all I know is like the butterfly effect thing, which we've talked about before, which right. is if you go back in time and then you accidentally like step on a leaf, it could alter the space time continuum. Or if you go back in time and do something really small, talk to one person, like you could alter everything about the future. Right. So it's supposed to be really dangerous. Right. So in like pop culture and in modern movies and, and literature, time slips and time travel is a very popular sci-fi plot line, right? So a lot of these things have been somewhat discussed in even shows like uh, Rick and Morty or the movie Back to the Future or uh, like Futurama. They will sometimes speak about time travel. But as the public, we don't really know a lot about it because I feel like it's just sort of assumed that this is not something that's possible right now. So, like, why even look into it? You know, it, like, boggles my right. mind. Right. So, actually, according to Einstein's special theory of relativity, time travel already exists. What? Yeah. So, basically, his special theory of relativity reveals that time speeds up or slows down based on how fast you're going. So if you're going super, super, super fast, then you age slower than everyone else who's going slow, which is why there is an astronaut who is actually like 0.02 seconds younger than everyone else on Earth because he spent so much time in orbit going faster than everyone else. Oh, that's else. cool. Yeah, I don't... Let me do a disclaimer. So this episode... I'm like not going to spend that much time on the math and science of all of this because frankly, I don't give a shit. And also, <laughs> and also I'm just like, okay, like I've believed in things with less proof before. So I'm just going to go ahead and assume <laughs> that like everyone else doesn't need that much proof. 
and I'm going to give you guys right. like the bullet notes on like why this could be possible. So first, I want to ask you, Alyssa, if you had access to time travel, would you go forwards or backwards? Oh, uh, you know what? I have thought about this before. I would love to go really far into the future just to see what the world looks like. I wouldn't want to live there, but just like go super far in the future to see like, do I have any great, great, great grandkids or did my lineage die out? Is America still a country? Like are, you know, is global, has global warming caused these crazy floods that have covered like certain islands or I don't know. Like I would love to see just like what shit looks like in the future, like what the fashion is, what the music is. And then I would come back. So I think I would rather go into the future. Right. So actually, the scientists who believe in time travel are very uncertain if time travel to the past is even physically possible. So we know that time travel to the future is supposedly possible because if you're going fast enough, then you technically aren't aging and the rest of the universe around you is aging. However, Mm -hmm. going back, they're not sure if it's even possible. So maybe that would explain why no one showed up to Stephen Hawking's party. Oh, Also, forward time travel outside the usual sense of perception of time is an extensively observed phenomenon and well understood within the framework of special relativity and general relativity. However, making one body advance or delay more than a few milliseconds compared to another body is not feasible with current technology. And as for backward time travel, it is possible to find solutions in general relativity that allow for it, such as a rotating black hole. But traveling to an arbitrary point in space-time has very limited support in theoretical physics and is usually connected only with quantum mechanics or wormholes. So basically what that's saying is that based on the science, it seems extremely unlikely, like so many weird things would have to align. But at the same time, it's theoretical quantum physics. Like, does anyone fucking understand that? Like, I don't understand (laughs) that. The people who study it don't even get it. They're like, this might be happening. We don't know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. In addition to Stephen Hawking's time traveler reception, in 2005, so a few years before Stephen Hawking's party, MIT held a time traveler convention and it was widely publicized. It even got front page coverage of the New York Times, yet nobody from the future showed up. So those two parties are instances where scientists wanted to do a simple experiment and they're like hey if time travel is possible then here's what we're gonna do and then they think that because no one showed up that's probably time travel is not real but to me it's like I don't think that that really can be a good way to have an experiment because there's so many variables like what if time travelers just don't want to come to your party like humans are fickle you know yeah. It's, it's super easy for me to go to some parties and sometimes I'll be like, no, I don't want to do it because I'd rather take a nap or there's something on Netflix. So like I can't right. even imagine getting up the energy to like go back in time to some shithole party where there's like diseases <laughs> and stuff on Earth, you know, like you're like, I don't right. want to go back to that disease ridden cesspool planet. They didn't even have Alkalon 7 then. I don't know. <laughs> right. Well, and also also like at least in the instance of the Stephen Hawking invitation that you sent me, that invitation is written in English. Well, what if, you know, the time travel hasn't been invented for like, I don't know, 10,000 years and now nobody speaks English. It's something else. It's like one universal language that's just a mixture of all the languages and English is now known as a dead language. Well, they might not even be able to read that invitation. Right. Like what if people don't even communicate with written words? Like what if it's all just telepathic? Great point. Yeah. So time travel, is it possible? Science and math says yes. And I guess our next question would be, if it is possible, then how? So like you said, 
there are several paradoxes and problems that prohibit us from understanding time travel in its entirety. For example, have you ever heard of bootstrap theory, Alyssa? Is that where um, your mom tells you that you just need to pull yourself up by your bootstraps (laughs) and put on your big girl panties and go make money so that you can buy a house even though it's not possible because your generation was inherited like a terrible economy no that's just called childhood trauma (laughs) (laughs) bootstrap theory basically states that if you bring an object from the future to the past then you're technically bringing that object into the universe before it was created aka the object exists before it's created which gives the object no clear origin it's confusing Right. Yeah. And it goes hand in hand with the other paradox, the grandfather paradox, which is where if you go back in time and kill your grandfather, then technically you wouldn't exist because you wouldn't have been born if your grandfather was killed before your dad was born. Makes sense, right? Right. Yeah, that one makes sense. That's like the premises of Back to the Future. Exactly. But if we assume that there are infinite timelines and universes, then neither of those paradoxes are a problem and all the possibilities can unfold. So before we get into the story, I just wanted to like really briefly explain why time travel could be possible. So after I play this video for you, it's really short and they explain it in so much quicker and more succinct way than I possibly can. And we just want to get through all of this boring shit. So I'm going to send it to okay. you and <laughs> okay, you're going to watch it. Okay, I'm ready. This is a video by a channel called Unveiled explaining that time travel already exists and explaining how. Okay, so I'm going to two minutes and 44 seconds on this video. So if time travel exists, it's almost certain that there are countless timelines to cater for it, with new realities forming every few seconds. In which case, would we ever know that time travel exists, even if it already does? There's a chance we might not. If technology is developed that allows us to travel around the speed of light to push us into the future, it'd have zero effect on us in the here and now. So as we live our everyday lives driving to work, eating lunch, and watching TV, there's a seemingly distant, though still very real, possibility that someone else is jetting off in front of you, aging far less rapidly than you are. That person could theoretically travel to the year 2100 having only aged a year or two, but we'd never know about them because we'd likely never meet them. And if we did meet them, we'd perhaps be skeptical of their story. But still, via those potentially infinite universes and timelines, we could all be experiencing the effects of time travelers messing up our own timelines every day. Say someone traveled back in time to prevent you from getting in a car accident. They'd then split your life into two, one where you crash in a fatal accident and another where you don't. Every time someone spliced your original timeline, they'd birth new ones right alongside it. And the multiverse becomes an ever-thickening web of everything that ever was, is, or could be. But you, as in the original you living in your original timeline, would be completely oblivious and would never know that time travel existed or that it had shaped your life to this point. On the other hand, if you were living across one of the other timelines, you might come face to face with solid proof of time travel. So somewhere out there, a different you could even be time traveling right now, completely aware that you exist even if you're unaware that they do. If technology for traveling to the past has already been invented, after all, if it's to ever exist, then why not right now? It's likely that world governments would keep it under strict lock and key, as that sort of tech could cause huge problems. Unless time travel was rigorously regulated, anyone and everyone could show up in all sorts of time periods, leaving artifacts from the future, blowing their own cover, and altering human history. 
Changing even the smallest thing could send ripples through time, all the way up to the moment you yourself first time-traveled, which could be disastrous for the world around you. So if time travel already exists, then there's surely a time police too. It'd be their job to stop others from creating chaos, like a time travel version of the men in black, maybe even erasing your memory if you'd ever seen anything you weren't supposed to. More specifically, if time travel really was real, it could provide answers to some unexplained phenomena in our standard non-time travel lives. It could be that deja vu is simply the experience of having our own timeline split by an unknown time traveler's actions, leaving us to feel as though we've experienced the same thing twice. The Mandela effect, causing shared but incorrect memories, might be another sign. Common examples range from believing that Curious George has a tail, he doesn't, to recalling that Nelson Mandela passed away in prison, he didn't. If time travel already exists, these false memories could be down to some kind of glitch caused by an errant traveler's antics. There's no doubt, though, that if time travel does exist, those who know about it and can use it have unrivaled power. They'd have prior access to news stories, exam questions, and lottery numbers, unless the time police outlawed it, and for as long as they could even glimpse the future, they'd know which companies were best to invest in. More than money, though, they'd have the ability to peek through anybody's life story at any time, and potentially the power to reshape, redirect, prolong, or cut short any life they felt like. Without even knowing it, those not privy to time travel would be completely under the time traveler's control. And the scary part? If you accept that time travel's even theoretically possible, then all of that should inevitably be happening right now. Because if time travel is to ever exist, then surely it already does? Someone, somewhere, at some time should have already mastered it. And that's what would happen if time travel already exists. So what do you think of that? Wow. I mean, I like... I like the idea that time travel might already exist. And I also really like the idea that there are like multiple versions of me. Like I I like the idea of if someone goes back in time and alters your timeline, then now you have two timelines. I don't that right. to me is like super fucking cool. Right. Like there's a version of you who followed, you know, some other path. Mm -hmm. You moved to Spain or whatever. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, to me, I think the idea of, you know, if time travel ever existed, then it's always existed is really cool. And it's it's kind of comforting in a way. Like, I know they're trying to paint it to make it seem like there's going to be all kinds of problems. But I'm like, great. So we can just fix anything, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like at some point, like if the earth goes and gets swallowed into the sun, like that's not even a big deal because someone's going to figure out how to fix the problem. Someone could fix it. Unless we're living in the part of the multiverse where we do get swallowed by the sun. Right. But knowing that there's another reality is like... Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's my new thing now. Like, I've, I've got another chance. I'm not... Yeah, I might not have another chance, but my, like, split personality does. My right. split human does. Is that, like, going to be our new shtick? Just to be like, oh, we're our, like, failed reality timelines? Like, there's a version of me somewhere that's, like, <laughs> slaying and doing so much better. And so, like, I'm fine. I'm now thinking of, like, every YouTuber apology ever. Like, anytime <laughs> a YouTuber fucks up and then they issue a horrible apology, I think what they should be doing is saying, hey, look, I know that I fucked up on this timeline, but I want you to know that on my other timeline, I'm actually like doing really well and I never even made the mistake in the first place. So you should just forgive me. Yeah, that's how I feel about it right now. Well, that's what I would do. If I, you guys, if we ever make a mistake on this show, just know that like the other version of ourselves never right. did. So you really can't be mad. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So if time travel exists, then it's always existed. Or if it exists in the future, then it exists now. 
we should be able to see some mention of time travel in the past, right? Like through folklore or fairy tales. And we actually do see that. So in Hindu mythology, the Mahabharata mentions the story of King Raivata Kakudmi, who travels to heaven to meet the creator Brahma and is surprised to learn that when he returns to Earth, that many ages have passed. Also, the Buddhist Pali Canaan mentions the relativity of time, and the Payasi Sutta tells of one of the Buddha's chief disciples, Kumara Kasapa, who explains to the skeptic Payasi that time in the heavens passes differently on Earth. So there's three examples of cultures where in their religious dogma or in their folklore or in these um, passed down traditions there's this notion that time in the heavens passes differently than time on the earth which is really similar to actual modern physics we know that if you're up in space and you're traveling at the speed of light then time is is different for you than it is on earth you'll age slower you would be gone Mm -hmm. for what would seem like only a few years and maybe everyone back on earth would have already been dead right right So in Japan, and because I love Japan, I'm going to take this moment to read this beautiful Japanese fairy tale that is what I can only describe as some sort of early take on time travel. I'm ready. So it's called Urashima Taro. The tale originates from the legend of Urashimako, recorded in various pieces of literature dating to the 8th century. And this story exists in so many different forms in Japan. The form that I'm going to tell you is just one of them. So one day, a young fisherman named Urashima Taro is fishing when he notices a group of children torturing a small turtle. Taro saves the turtle and lets it go back to the sea. The next day, a huge turtle approaches him and tells him that the small turtle he had saved is the daughter of the emperor of the sea, Ryuchin, who wants to see him and thank him. The turtle magically gives Taro gills and brings him to the bottom of the sea to the palace of the dragon god. There, he meets the emperor and the small turtle, who was now a lovely princess, Otohime. On each of the four sides of the palace, it's a different season. Taro stays there with Otohime for three days, but soon wants to go back to his village and see his aging mother, so he requests permission to leave. The princess says she is sorry to see him go, but wishes him well and gives him a mysterious box called Tamatebako, which will protect him from harm, but which she tells him to never open. Taro grabs the box, jumps on the back of the same turtle that had brought him there, and is soon at the seashore. When he goes home, everything has changed. His home is gone, his mother has vanished, and the people he knew are nowhere to be seen. He asks if anybody knows a man called Urashima Taro, and they answer that they heard of someone of that name who vanished at sea long, long ago. He discovers that 300 years have passed since the day he left for the bottom of the sea. Struck by grief, he absentmindedly opens the box the princess had given him, from which bursts forth a cloud of white smoke. He is suddenly aged, his beard long and white, his back bent. From the sea comes the sad, sweet voice of the princess who says, I told you not to open that box. In it was your old age. (sighs) So Alyssa, what do you think about that story? What do you think the underlying message of that story is? 
I think that princess is a bitch for giving him his box of his old age. How about you keep the box of his old age so that he can't open it? So so rude. Of course I'm going to open a box if you tell me not to open a box. <laughs> That's very, very true. I, I thought about that story a lot because when I was researching this, there's all kinds of different folklore and fairy tales from different cultures that talk about th- this notion of someone accidentally time traveling or not realizing Mm -hmm. that they're time traveling or having some sort of implication from time travel in fact there was another story about a man who it was always something like he laid down for a nap or he drank too much wine and fell asleep and then when he wakes up he realizes he's aged a thousand years and everyone is gone or 70 years and everyone's gone And so to me, I'm trying to think because fairy tales, we know fairy tales and folklores usually exist to describe unexplainable events or teach lessons about society at the time. So this story to me is, is this explaining time travel or is this warning people to stay in the present? I don't know. I I was seeing maybe if you had a take on it. Yeah. I mean, I think if we think it's a fable, then yeah, maybe it could be a message about yeah living in the present day or resisting temptation it could be like a pandora's box situation where Mm -hmm. like don't open the box like evil is in the box and you just got to resist temptation to live a happy life and then you know people are greedy for knowledge or they just want like i like i said i would open the box if you tell me not to open it so like i can't resist temptation that well so it could be a message like that or you're right it could be if we take it literally then maybe that literally happened and Mm -hmm. somebody just wrote it down to preserve it as a piece of history but then later it was decided that it was just a piece of folklore or a fable or a tall tale or something Yeah, I think that there's something to be said about it was like no good deed goes unpunished almost. He started Mm -hmm. off by saving this turtle that was being tortured. So if we think about how that we were learned earlier that if you make a mistake and then you go back in time to fix it, you split your reality. Oh, right. It's almost as if he split the reality of what was happening. He got involved on this story that wasn't his. And then again, it took him on this path that wasn't his original path where he got the sacred knowledge and he went and had this amazing adventure. But at what price did he pay? At what cost? Right. Yeah. He had to abandon his previous life. Yeah. It also makes me think of being in a coma. That's one of my worst fears is like being in a coma and then you wake up and you think you've been asleep for one night and then it turns out you're in a hospital and you've been asleep for 40 years and like your parents are gone, your grandparents are gone, like, right. and it's like just you and you're old, but like you're in the future. That to me is like, I don't know, like the idea of him, he's his normal self and then he opens this box and suddenly he's aged mm-hmm. however many years that mm-hmm. I don't know, like that whole concept just creeps me out. It's like, it, it's, it could also be a lesson on like not letting your life pass you by, like don't blink. And then all of a sudden you've aged and you haven't done any of the things that you wanted to do. Right. Yeah. Let us know what you guys take of that story, because as of someone who is getting older now, that like freaked me out. I'm like, what do you want? Like what, what? Yeah. This is just like a very traumatic experience to learn about the story. Like I don't feel safe right now. <laughs> I don't feel like an adult. And yet I have been thrust into the position of adulthood and I don't like it. So yeah. tell me what it means. Yeah. So before we go, I want to tell you the stupid inside joke I have with my fiance about time travel. Okay. So whenever we see somebody who is clearly not fitting into society, 
or like just dressed strange or like, you know, just like doing something that's different than everyone around them. Like we're always like, oh, that's a time traveler. (laughs) And it'll be something as simple as like someone wearing a backpack who's like clearly like a backpacker from a a different country who's like walking down Venice Beach or something. And we're just like kind of like elbow each other. And we're like, that's a time traveler. (laughs) So honestly, that's I think that that is a great lesson, though. Like if you see someone that looks a little different from you and you have the urge to make fun of them. How about in your head you just think, you know what, that person's a time traveler and they know something that I don't know and I'm just going to let them live their life. So with that that exact notion, I'm going to start this episode off with a hot article written by the Huffington Post about one of these time traveler type people who definitely knew something that we do not know. Okay, I'm going to send you some photos oh, and shit. you let me know what you think they are. So Natalia just sent me three photos and... They're of a, it looks like an office space, and it's the name of it is Advanced Tax Services, and there's literally just a giant hole going all the way through this building. It's like somebody, like, you know when an old person is parked in front of the liquor store, and they think they're in drive, but they're actually in reverse, and they Mm -hmm. just, like, full (laughs) throttle reverse it through the liquor store? That's what this looks like, but to the extreme. Like, this person has popped out... First of all, there's no car. There's no people in any of these photos. I'm just saying that's what it looks like. But there's just this giant hole all the way through this advanced tax services building that goes (laughs) from the parking lot all the way to the back of the building, like where you might imagine like a warehouse is or like where the trucks come in to drop off stuff for that building. There's just this giant hole all the way through. Those photos go with this article. Florida police say a 40-year-old Nashville man was attempting to, quote, enter a time portal Sunday morning, just like (laughs) Marty McFly, when he crashed his Dodge Challenger through the brick wall of a Pensacola store. Problem was, he wasn't driving a DeLorean time machine, and this is real life, not back to the future. When officers caught up with the driver at the scene, they noted that the driver was wearing a seatbelt and uninjured, though he was allegedly rattling off some lines about time travel. The building was empty at the time of the collision, and no other injuries were reported, police said. Speaking with an officer, the driver, quote, stated that he was driving at high speeds on the interstate in an attempt to enter a time portal, according to a crash report obtained by the Huffington Post. The driver allegedly went on to say that, quote, he did not leave the time portal until the crash occurred. Ellison Bennett, who owns a business next to the advanced tax services business where the crash occurred, said that they were fortunate. Quote, if this had happened on a weekday and somebody had actually been in one of those cubicles, it could have been very tragic, she told the Pensacola News Journal. Police said the man was driving to see his daughter in pace. He was cited for careless driving and failure to provide proof of insurance at a crash before being taken to a nearby hospital for an evaluation. Drug and alcohol use were not suspected. Hmm. So, Alyssa, that man clearly knows something we don't know. He's not on drugs or alcohol. He's completely sober and in his right mind. Okay? And he takes his car and he goes as fast as he can straight through this advanced tax services. And he says he's trying to enter a time portal. And furthermore, that the crash didn't happen until he came out of the time portal. So what actually happened is he's saying, I was I was in another reality. And when I came out of the time portal, I didn't know that this tax services <laughs> was going to be here. 
And so my car just crashed straight through it because where I was, the tax services did not exist. Wow. You know, again, I really feel like these are some excuses that we should be using if we ever make any mistakes. I feel like and I also it kind of makes me think. So now every single old person that's ever accidentally reversed into a liquor store, I'm thinking, man, maybe they were just trying to go through a portal and that liquor store wasn't there you know, however many parallel universes ago. Right. And yeah, I don't know. Wow. That's very intriguing. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the older you are, the more times your reality could have been split. Oh, whoa. Maybe that's what dementia is caused by. It's not atrophying parts of the brain. It's actually just your reality being split so many different times that now you can't keep them straight. Oh, my God. That's triggering. Is anyone (laughs) spiraling right now? Because I'm fucking spiraling. I messaged you a small little article that I would like you to read about a man named Andrew Carlson. And just so everyone knows, I'm going to I have a lot of evidence this episode. Some of it is humorous. Some of it is creepy. Some of it is weird. And then at the end of the episode, I have an interview with a real time traveler. Ooh, oh, I'm whoa. Natalia, we are stepping our game up for season three. Hell yeah, we are. So go ahead and read that. So Natalia just sent me an excerpt from an article, and it reads, Andrew Carlson was supposedly arrested in March 2003 for SEC violations for making 126 high-risk stock trades and being successful on every one. As reported, Carlson started with an initial investment of $800 and ended with over $350 million, which drew the attention of the SEC. Later reports suggest that after his arrest, he submitted a four-hour confession wherein he claimed to be a time traveler from 200 years in the future. He offered to tell investigators such things as the whereabouts of Osama bin Laden and the cure for AIDS in return for a lesser punishment and to be allowed to return to his time craft, although he refused to tell investigators the location or workings of his craft. A mysterious man posted his bail and Carlson was scheduled for court hearing, but was never seen again. Records show that he never even existed. Oh, fuck. What do you think of that? Oh, I love this story. Right. I love it. Why didn't Martha Stewart use that when she got put in jail for insider trading? She should have been like, look, here's the deal. I am actually a version of Martha Stewart from the future. The one from this timeline died, but we didn't want you to know because the brand is worth so much money. So they pulled me in from a different timeline and I just happened to know that I needed to sell this stock. So I did. I mean, so that story, like the skeptics will say, oh, well, records show that he never existed, but maybe he used a fake name or something. He could just make them disappear, right? On this timeline, like he could just have it all erased. First of all, I believe this. I just want to say I believe this story. This is like one of my favorite stories that I've heard in a long time. I want it to be true and I believe it. (laughs) Okay, great. So I'm not going to spend any time. (laughs) Yeah, you don't have to convince me. This is fucking incredible. I love this. Because also I'm I'm thinking like, okay, the location of Osama bin Laden and the cure for AIDS. So this supposedly happened in 2003 and he was from 200 years in the future. So he could have looked through history books and been like, oh, you know, in 2011 when Osama bin Laden was killed. So he could have been like, hey, he may have already given this information. And maybe that's why even though he was scheduled to go to court, he never showed up because he struck a deal 
and was like, hey, here's the information because we're actually really close to a cure for AIDS right now. Um, Mm -hmm. Well, not necessarily AIDS, but HIV. Like there are some instances where people have been cured of HIV within the past five years using like bone marrow transplants and stuff like that. So I'm kind of thinking this is a possibility, right? Because that stuff was not possible in 2003. And now currently in 2021, Osama bin Laden has been killed Mm -hmm. and also there are some people who have been cured of HIV so to me this is super plausible right yeah that's a time traveler who came to the past and got stuck but what about people who don't mean to time travel it wasn't something that they were planning on doing Have you ever heard of a time slip? Yes, there's actually a a subreddit that I'm subscribed to called Glitch in the Matrix, where people will talk about time slips they've experienced or like they, you know, they walk into a room and suddenly they're in like a different timeline and then they walk back and they're back in their timeline. Yeah. So a time slip is exactly what you said. It's when almost like a wrinkle in time happens. We're not really sure, but it just seems like there was sort of a glitch in the matrix and all of a sudden you experience something unexplainable where you time traveled forward or backwards and then you went back to your real time. And it seems like there's no control over it. So here's an experience from a journalist, a journalist who experienced an air raid 11 years before it occurred. Journalist J. Bernard Hutton and photographer Joachim Brandt were sent by a German newspaper to do a story on the Hamburg shipyard in 1932. It was an uneventful visit until the bombs began raining down on them. Hutton and Brandt realized they were caught in the middle of an air raid and hightailed it out of there, but not before snapping some photographs. When they got back to the center of Hamburg, no one believed their story. They developed the photos they took, intending to prove to everyone that they weren't crazy. In fact, they proved the opposite. The photos showed no signs of an air raid. Eleven years later, Hutton was living in London when he opened up a newspaper and probably nearly spit his coffee across his desk. There was a story about Operation Gomorrah, an air raid on Hamburg. The accompanying photos looked exactly like what he experienced in 1932. So this man goes on a job, assuming that He's just taking some photos of a landscape. But then all of a sudden, war breaks out. So he takes a bunch of photos with his friends. And then they develop the photos to tell everyone, oh, my God, look what happened. And everyone's like, oh, these photos are showing nothing and you guys are crazy. And then 11 years later, he opens up the newspaper and sees that exactly what happened to him has now happened in this timeline. Oh, that's so eerie. So it's like his photos... They didn't develop because the camera was part of this timeline. You know, it was like he skipped ahead to a different timeline or I don't. It's so creepy. Yeah. So now I'm going to send you two other stories for you to read. So Natalia just sent me two different stories. So the first one is called A Police Officer Travels to the 1950s from 1996. In 1996, a police officer and his wife were shopping in Liverpool. His wife went into a bookshop while he took off for a CD store down the street. As he walked away from the bookstore, he noticed that everything was suddenly quiet. Then, a van that looked like it was from the 1950s honked and swerved around him. Somehow, he was standing in the middle of the street. And stranger than that, everyone around him was dressed in 50s-style clothing. Confused, he tried to go back to the bookstore, but it wasn't there. In its place was a woman's clothing shop named Cripps. So he went into the clothing shop, but as soon as he did, it was a bookstore again. 
He was back in 1996, but couldn't figure out what had happened to him until he learned that Crips hadn't existed since the 1950s. Whoa. Yeah. That, like, oh. The the idea of just, like, time traveling by accident is also very scary because, I don't know, it's just so jarring. Like, imagine that you're living your life in 2021 and all of a sudden, as you're walking through your hallway into your bedroom, suddenly your bedroom is, like, a busy office and you're in the year 2099 and like everyone's dressed weird and you're like I don't know why I'm here I don't know I I just think of like everything that could go wrong if you're not able to get back to your timeline and suddenly like you get put in jail or in an insane asylum because they think that you're like breaking and entering somewhere or I don't know it's so fucking scary to me I totally agree. Yeah, I might not even time travel just because I would be afraid of it breaking. What if you get stuck between timelines and you're, you know, like in SpongeBob where Squidward is in that alone space and it's like all white. And then Uh. he says, ah, finally, I'm alone. And then it's just like this giant echo of nothingness. And then he's like, oh, shit, how do I get back to like (laughs) anywhere else? I don't know. That's yeah, really scary, Yeah, it's lonely. Too. It's lonely. Yeah. Okay. And then the second story Natalia sent me is called The Man from Tourette. In 1954, a man trying to get through customs at Haneda Airport in Tokyo, Japan, had a bit of trouble with the customs agents. It wasn't because he forgot to declare something on his customs form, but because he claimed to be from a country that didn't exist. And he had a passport and stamps to prove it. His passport was from a country named Tourette, which he claimed was in between Spain and France. When customs officials pulled out a map and asked him if he meant Andorra, he became angry. He said that yes, the location was right, but Tourette had existed for at least 1,000 years. He had never even heard of Andorra. He was given a hotel room for the night while the police tried to figure out what was happening. Even though there were armed guards posted outside his room, the man had vanished by the next morning. His passport, which had been stored in the security office at the airport, was also gone. Officials never figured out the mystery of the man from Tourette. Yeah, that gives me the chills. Like, right? I, again, like these, the idea of accidentally time traveling somewhere that you're not supposed to be is very fucking freaky to me. Like that... I just feel like there's some dude and he's like, yo, you know this guy from Torred? And he's like, I don't know (laughs) nobody from Torred. And he's like, okay, you go stay in this hotel till we find someone who knows what to do with you. Yeah, well, I mean, it sounds like they thought maybe he was trying to illegally enter because I know in Japan I don't know what it was like in 1954 but our friend Reina is from Japan and I remember asking her a few years ago like oh what is like the immigration situation like in Japan like is it easy to immigrate there do you guys have like in the U.S. we have stuff like DACA if you were born in a different country but you were brought over super young by your parents so like you didn't really have a choice then we have something called DACA where you can continue to stay here work here live here even though technically you're not a citizen and I remember asking her like Do you guys have anything similar there? And she was like, no, basically no, because Japan is super like insular. They're an island nation. They're very much like focusing on themselves and not other people. And so I wonder if this was a situation where they were like, hey, this guy's trying to immigrate here illegally. He has this fake passport. We need to like put him like that doesn't happen very much in Japan, I would assume, because they are an island. So they don't like border anybody. 
And so I wonder if that's what they were thinking. Like, this is just some guy trying to enter here illegally. I also want to know what language was he speaking? This is very interesting to me. Like, was he speaking Japanese? Was he speaking English? I don't don't know. This is very interesting to me. There was a few different stories on him. And in them, I heard that he was speaking English and Spanish and Japanese. Oh, whoa. So he was very smart, the guy. (laughs) So we know that at least a thousand years from the year 1954, so we know that at least in the year 2,954, people are still speaking English, Japanese, and Spanish. This is very intriguing to me. Right. As someone who studied linguistics in college, this is very interesting. Now, I'm going to tell you about a haunted as shit hotel. And it's gonna <laughs> it's going to seem not relevant, but then I'm going to introduce a new theory about time travel. And then... Okay. We're going to feature a real time traveler interview live on the air. Let's get haunted. Are you, you guys, ready? I, I challenge you to find another podcast with smoother transitions than Let's Get Haunted. Okay, so I just sent you two photos of a place. And the first one is a photo from 1912. And the second photo is the photo of the same place from today. Go ahead and describe those photos. So as Natalia said, she sent me two photos. The first one is in black and white and looks old. And in the upper left-hand corner, it says the Greenbrier, America's Resort, greenbrier.com. So Mm -hmm. we already know this shit's going to be haunted because the word Greenbrier, as we learned in the Greenbrier Ghost episode, is haunted as shit. So I'm assuming that this is equally as haunted. And then the second photo she sent is in color and looks much more modern. And it's the same building, but you can tell, like, the grounds have changed, so some time has passed here. It's a very long hotel. It almost looks like a government building. Like, that's how nice it is. It has these little red awnings in front of these giant windows on the front. It has a bunch of different flags from a bunch of different countries over the entryway. It has these really big, long columns. Um, let me see how many it looks stories like the White House almost right yeah it's kind of that same colonial style it looks like it's six stories tall it's mm-hmm. very very large I know that we have some because uh, I've gotten some DMs we've ha- we have some blind listeners out there so I want to make sure I'm describing this accurately yeah it's it looks like the White House like imagine how you might picture like an embassy or a government building and but it's a hotel That's what I would say. And it has like these beautiful flowers and benches and like a courtyard. Yeah. So you guys can see all these photos on our Instagram at Let's Get Haunted. So what you're looking at is called the Greenbrier Hotel. Here's what the Greenbrier Resort website says. Located amid the breathtaking mountains of West Virginia, the Greenbrier is a national historic landmark and a world-class resort that has been welcoming guests from around the world since 1778. The natural mineral springs that drew our first guests over 235 years ago continue to lure visitors to our 11,000-acre luxury retreat today. With a guest list that includes 27 of our country's 45 presidents, America's Resort has long been a favorite destination of royalty, celebrities, and business leaders. Today, the Greenbrier invites a new generation to come out and play, enjoy relaxing pastimes, start treasured traditions, or set out on an amazing adventure together. You'll find endless vacation possibilities at the Greenbrier. 
You read that in like a softcore porn voice <laughs> and it made me very uncomfortable. I feel like this hotel is fucking haunted as shit and it's like 235 I- <laughs> years old and they're just trying to make it sound like a fucking normal resort. Like sexy. Yeah. You know, I'm just thinking like, are there ghosts fucking in this hotel room? Like, what is the situation here? And I looked at the photos of the hotel rooms and they're fucking fucked up. I sent you some pictures of them. <laughs> Like, I don't know how else to describe it. Like, their their wallpaper is, like, just oh, alarming no. and, like, matches everything. <laughs> and there's, like, so many different colors. It just, like, is a perfect, like, ghost terrarium. Like, come here if you're yeah. a fucking evil spirit. Yeah. Okay. I'm looking at this. You can tell that there's, like, 1700s dignitaries in powdered wigs just walk. Like, their ghosts are just floating through these rooms. This, so, yeah, you're right. These look very haunted. So, Natalia sent me four photos of different rooms in this hotel. You can see these at Let's Get Haunted. Or if you're listening in the car or you you don't have an Instagram, I'll describe them to you. So, basically, here's what you need to know about these rooms. First of all, they're all different colors. But the, like, carpet and the wallpaper match. So there's, like, red, like, striped carpet with red striped wallpaper with red striped furniture. Yeah, it's horrible. Yeah, like, that's what you need to know is that it's variations of, like, floral wallpaper with, like, stripey floors and floral bedding or it's stripe, stripe, stripes. Like, that's, it's, yeah, it's disorienting. And it looks old. It's, like, 1778 style but like also terrifying. Yeah, like the last picture I'm looking at has a floral wallpaper, floor to ceiling floral wallpaper that is like very small. So it's like very busy. So you're looking at it and you feel dizzy. And then the bedding literally matches that wallpaper. And then the flooring is striped. So it's like it's like a bunch of clashing ideas together that are super busy that just is confusing. Yeah, it looks like a horror movie set, you know? Yeah, The Shining. Yeah, Yeah, it's like The Shining, but like worse because it's real. So, And it's like the person who designed this has no taste. In 1778, (laughs) the earliest guests of the Greenbrier come to the White Sulphur Spring to, quote, take the waters to restore their health. So you already have a bunch of fucking haunted people who are like, let's go sit in this bath and share our derms together in 1778. (laughs) And then in 1830s, the resort enters its first period of prominence, and they have politicians and judges and editors and lawyers and diplomats and ministers and planters and merchants. And all these people are primarily from the southern states, and they annually congregate at, quote, the village in the wilderness. And they do so only in the summer months because the 2,000-foot elevation offers relief from heat and humidity down in the lowlands. Basically, you have all of these prominent people who are from the South, and it's an antebellum resort. So let me translate that for you. These are a bunch of people who are part of the Confederate or like okay. leaders and politicians of that part of the country that's getting ready to try and secede. Right. So haunted. Yeah. They're all coming and hanging out at this luxury resort to escape the heat of the South. And then from between 1830 and 1861, before the Civil War... Five sitting presidents stayed there, demonstrating the resort's reputation as the most favored gathering place for the nation's most influential and powerful families. Okay. This is like ancient Illuminati, like playground. All right. 
1858, the White Sulphur Springs' well-established status as America's most fashionable social resort leads to the construction of the first large hotel in 1858, and they named this hotel The Old White. What could be more haunted than <laughs> the name The Old White? Yes, it's that's pretty haunted. Like, names like that, too, it's like The Old White what? Like, what are you describing? It's like half the a visitors. sentence. haunted. Everyone who yeah. goes there is old and white. It had 27 know, like, presidents there so far. Hey, welcome to, uh, I, I'm trying to think of like an equivalency. Like, I'm trying to think like, okay, like my office. Welcome to the, the square dirt because like <laughs> I'm on a farm. Like the square dirt, what? Finish your sentence. <laughs> Between 1861 and 1865, the resort closes during No, the s- I'm not done yet. It's two <laughs> adjectives. It's two adjectives. It doesn't make sense. Where's the noun? Okay, go ahead. Okay, I'm escalating now too. Next, what happens <laughs> is the resort closes and then they literally make it a civil war hospital and military headquarters. So now people are straight up dying in here from the civil war. Okay? Yeah, that's haunted. And then in okay. 1942, World War II, what do you guess happens again? Again, hospital military headquarters and then in the 1950s before the cold war they make a fucking huge ass bunker underneath the shit where you can survive for 50 (laughs) years in case there's nuclear fallout and then in the 90s they're like you know what haunted we probably don't need that but so now you can like if you go to this hotel you can tour the bunker underneath okay and so all that is just tragic history right we've got Fucking old ass white people staying here calling this shit the old white. They're in their mystical <laughs> waters trying to get healed. And then on top of that, they've turned it into a hospital two times. Hospital one time is already haunted. Ancient hospital two times is like, you forget about it. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> now, because this hotel has modern facilities now like it's if you go to the website it's amazing you can go like horseback riding and you there's a casino there and you can do like uh, they have like literally the national golf tournaments play there so a lot of people if you're like bougie and and preppy you've probably heard of this place and been like oh yeah my family summer's there or something right so because of that the a bunch of sports teams will stay there because they literally have a national like state of the art training facility for baseball and football and golf. So the Arizona Cardinals stayed there and uh, they they thought it was haunted. There's an article about it where the Arizona Cardinals stayed at the Greenbrier Hotel and one of them was like, quote, you hear a lot of guys talk. Ah, oh, the hotel's haunted, said cornerback Patrick Peterson. And now guys are traveling around in groups. I haven't seen anything, but I do hear some weird noises this night, but I don't pay no mind to it. I fall right asleep, but not for the safety. Tony Jefferson, I'm scared, he said. (laughs) Jefferson said he was alone in his room the first night at the Greenbrier when he heard, quote, a little voice. It was like a little girl's voice. No, haunted. The lights have not been off since. Jefferson said, I'm not taking any chances. I've got the TV on and the lights on. Cornerback Gerard Powers said his wife looked on the internet and saw that some people who stayed at the Greenbrier, quote, complained about ghosts and stuff. A resort worker, Powers said, told him that he had seen a ghost in the parking lot. Quote, after that, (laughs) I was like, it must be real. I keep the bathroom light on. So lots of hauntings happening around this hotel, right? 
And yeah, then, the two haunted ages of ghosts are little kids and old women. So it sounds like this is haunted with little kids, which is horrifying. And now we're going to call a time traveler. Are you ready? I can't wait. I can't wait to talk to a time traveler. All right. Hey, okay. you guys hear me now? Oh, it's Chloe. Yeah. So Alyssa had no idea who this time traveler was. And I just wanted to say the reason that this came up is Chloe and I were hiking and she like casually brought up, oh, did I ever tell you about that time that I time traveled? And I was like, what the fucking fuck? no? Like, no, like, that's all we would ever talk about ever? Right, exactly. <laughs> so so yeah. then she told me this story, which got me like really hyped on the idea of time travel because I like had never really looked into it that much. And I just think you guys have to hear it because it's next level. And what are the odds? Like I do an episode on time travel and then bring in an actual time traveler. Hell no yeah. other podcast is doing what we do. Name another podcast that told you about the man from Torred and then brought in a time traveler. You can't. It's only us. <laughs> I think I should add that to my resume now. Time yeah. traveler. Like yes, in my absolutely. special skills section. Yes. Equestrian time traveler. Exactly. Yeah. Why not? So yeah. Chloe, for those of you who don't know, is like my horse girlfriend. You can follow her on Instagram at just Chloe Carabasi. Thanks for the shout out. You guys are so nice. She's a professional polo player and an actress, and she does amazing horse stunts where she shoots arrows off of horses' backs and stuff. It's really cool. She's really badass. And she's fucking traveled through and time. And she fucking time traveled. <laughs> also, you, I can see you guys. You guys look so legit. Even Alyssa is like in a closet. <laughs> I'm in a closet. I definitely woke up very uh, short while before we started recording. <laughs> Thank you. So, so Chloe, yeah, I feel legit. I'm glad you guys can't see me right now, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> so, Chloe, welcome to the podcast. Can you hear us? Thank you. Yes, now I can hear you. Welcome to the podcast. And go ahead and, yeah, you can kind of tell us about your family history with the Greenbrier and then sort of tell us what happened to you as you told me that day. Okay. So I grew up going to the Greenbrier with my bougie side of the family. And one year okay. we spent Christmas there and it was, so yeah, I don't know how much of a background you've given on the Greenbrier, but it's this very old like resort in West mm -hmm. Virginia. That's kind of just old timey bougie. Like that's just the best way to describe it. It has a very specific energy and vibe there. And I always remember it, like there's just weird shit about it. Like the biggest thing being the bunker, there's a straight up declassified nuclear bunker underneath the hotel or the resort, which is just like fucking crazy. Like that's such a weird <laughs> and random, like why of all the places in the world, why is there a bunker there? And it was secret obviously for a while. And now they do like tours of it, which I've actually never done because we stopped going there because it's expensive as fuck. But um, <laughs> That winter when we were there for Christmas, I want to say, okay, I want to preface this by saying I was really young and I'm not a skeptic, but like I'm somewhere in between. Like, I guess I'm a realist, we can say. Like, mm -hmm. I humor both sides of the argument. I'm an Aquarius. That's what we do. <laughs> how young were you? Like, how old were you? I, I want to say I was somewhere around 10. Like, let's say 10 and maybe like give or take a couple years but like yeah eight to ten I don't think I was younger than eight so anyway around that time where I was like old enough to not be just like an idiot you know but right young right. enough to have no idea what's going on and think like pressing buttons in an elevator is fun so um 
we were at the Christmas like banquet. I think it was Christmas Eve and they had this big dinner and I was there with my dad's family and he's one of seven or six. I always forget. And so it was like a big, you know, all the, the kids and the cousins and we would just entertain ourselves and kind of just have free reign and run around. So we left the dinner and went and we're just like running down hallways. And then me, my older cousin and my two like slightly younger boy cousins, we jumped on an elevator. And I don't know if you guys did this, but like as a kid, when you just like press all the buttons on an elevator. Oh, yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Just being a little shit. Yeah. Elevators. And I've listened to your podcast because Nat and I were talking, obviously, first of all, love your podcast so much. Oh, thank you. Oh, oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Annoying street racers. Shut the fuck up. I'm talking. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> She's trying to tell us about the time she time traveled. Exactly. So where was I? Okay. So we, oh, but elevators are always haunted. Oh, super haunted. We talked about the elevator game in episode yeah. two of this podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember right. that. So we jump on the elevator and the, the boy cousins press all the buttons and then the elevator starts going. Then all of a sudden, I think they hit the emergency button. So it stops like kind of between floors and the doors like halfway <sighs> open. And my two cousins, like the little ones, the boys, they jump off. Okay. So before okay. my older girl cousin and I can jump off, the doors close again. And the elevator starts rising. So we're just like, okay, we're like kind of freaked out because it's making this like emergency sound because they had hit Mm -hmm. the emergency button, but it closed. And we were like, we'll just get off on the next floor and find our way back. So it goes up and up and up and then it opens. And I swear, it's just like a different air and like vibe and it's weird. And there's weird elevator music playing. So we step out into the hallway and it's just like a completely different floor and look and energy so we go down the hallway and we look around and we're like confused and trying to figure out where we are so we can get our bearings and get back to the banquet and we look down the hallway and all the doors to the rooms are open and so we like look into one and all the furniture is like super old really fancy wood very Mm -hmm. intricate And the phones are those like phones that are on the wall with the little earpiece, you know, that you like take off. So like super old and everything's open. It's weird. That weird elevator music is playing. And then we see some maids and the maids are like super zombie like and walking down the hallway and they're all black women. And I talked about this with Natalia. I don't know if you guys can edit this part out, but like, I was like, do I need to say that? Is that racist? Like, but it's the sign of the times, I guess. I don't know. But I just remember right. that as like a really specific detail. I would say like, was the rest of the hotel during your experiences? Because you said you had gone there several times. It was like a tradition for your family, right? Did yes. you find that most of the people who were working like the maid service or working the service jobs were all like black? Or did you feel no, like No, I never remember that. And I think that's why that detail is always important is because I just remember how specific that was. Anyway, so we are like, where the fuck are we? This is so weird. And we ask one of the maids and they're like, she's looks at us in this very blank stare and is like, you're in the West Wing. And we're like, okay. So she kind of continues pushing her cart like in a zombie like state down the hall. And we look at each other and we're really confused. And at this point we had been gone for too long. We didn't want to get in trouble. So we're like, we have to figure out how to get the fuck back. So we continue down the hallway and 
we just keep going and it fits us out into this weirder hallway that starts getting narrower and narrower and has these window displays that you would see in front of a store, right? But there's no mm -hmm. doors into the store. So it's just like almost kind of like a museum, like stuff is on display and it's like old cameras and old photos and just mm. really random things. And then we keep following that hallway and then it spits us out into the lobby of the hotel. And then we go back to the feast. We kind of don't really necessarily think anything of it as kids. We're just like, that was really weird and right. very specific. And so we go back to the banquet and then we were leaving and we asked about the West Wing when we were checking out and they said that it had been demolished. What? Like what? years yeah. and years before. Wow. And the other thing I that's just got really important about this too is that my cousin who I was with, who experienced it with me, like we were really close when we were young, but we've kind of grown apart and I don't see her very often. But every time I see her and I think of this and she's definitely more of a skeptic than me, she agrees and remembers it so specifically too. Like she always corroborates it with me and is like, yeah, that was really weird. And we always remember it as the time we went back in time at yeah. the Greenbrier Hotel. I told Alyssa the history of the hotel before we called you and they did demolish a lot of it in the 30s and add on and change things and stuff. So I'm wondering if what you were seeing was a reflection of something they tore down in the 30s. Like you, you said that the telephones were all of those like old like rotary dial ones where you have to like hold up a piece to your ear. Yes, right? exactly. Yeah, that was yeah. exactly what we saw. Yeah, super creepy. That is so scary. It's so yeah. wild. And it's it's just like burned into my memory. And it's so specific. And that I think I told you the story the exact same way. Like it's never changed the details or anything mm -hmm. like that. And yeah, granted, it could have just been something else. But it just had not only like the actual images of itself, but like the energy and the vibe of it was just like, off if that makes sense. Chloe, can I ask you a question? Yeah, yeah. Do you know how many stories the Greenbrier Hotel is? Do you know how many stories tall it is? Because when I was looking at the pictures, I counted six and I was just looking up the elevator game rules to like see if we can rule that out as something that may have happened to you. And I guess for the elevator game, you need at least 10 stories. So I I guess I'm wondering is, does the Greenbrier Hotel, do you remember how many stories it has? I don't honestly, because I haven't been there in so long and I've never really like looked into comparing the details that I experienced with like the actual hotel itself. But right. the only thing I that's like coming to mind is that I feel like we were kind of in a lower basementy floor for this banquet because I think the banquet hall was underneath maybe that could make sense that there's more yeah. levels from down there well because so for our listeners that don't remember in episode two where we talked about Elisa Lamb Natalia told us about something called the elevator game and it's basically to make a long story short if you want all of the details, go back, listen to episode two. There's no time to explain. <laughs> but, <laughs> but the like short version of the elevator game is that there is a way that you can ride an elevator in a building that has at least 10 stories. And if you are by yourself in this elevator and press buttons in a certain order, it'll take you to a floor that you're not supposed to get out on. Mm -hmm. And the idea is that when you get out on that floor, what you're seeing is maybe like a parallel universe or a mm -hmm. ghost dimension and you're at risk of never being able to travel back to the area you're supposed to be to the timeline you're supposed to be and so I guess that theory might 
combine time travel with like a paranormal ghost dimension type experience. I'm just like trying to do some detective work here. If the hotel doesn't have at least 10 stories, then it would be impossible for you to play the elevator game and you just straight up time traveled somewhere. I'm looking at the... I'm looking at the hotel website and they say that they have 10 lobbies and 40 plus meeting rooms and 710 rooms. So to me, I'm thinking 710 guest rooms. That's probably seven floors, right? And then you add in the lobby floor. That's eight because I doubt anyone's on the same floor as like the lobby or any of that. And then there's a bunker underneath so that would be nine. Nine. So it could easily there be another floor in there that we're not accounted for, especially since this thing has been around for like 235 years. There could be like all kinds of like service corridors and service floors and, and things that could like be loopholes to the elevator game, because I really don't think the elevator game like gives a shit. I think it just wants to fuck up your life. <laughs> right. It's like she's got seven floors. Who cares? We'll haunt her. It was the one exception, right? It was like, oh, these little idiot kids like accidentally <laughs> played our ghostly game. Like, I guess we just have to fuck with them a little, but we'll let them go because they're like, right, right. we're good, you know? The, the, the thing that makes it seem haunted to me, though, and like is a point for like some sort of paranormal experience rather than time travel is you said that the maids were very like zombie-like. Yeah. And to me, that feels like ghosty. Kind of like, you know how we talk about on this podcast, how sometimes apparitions can just be stuck in their time or just like on an endless loop or there's a scene playing. And maybe that was just one of the scenes because I I don't know, too, maybe just because I've never stayed in like an old timey, nice resort. I feel like if you ended up on the like suite level and everyone's cleaning rooms out and you're like a little kid and you're like, where am I? They would be like, get the fuck out of here or like, like, let me escort you out. They wouldn't just be like, this is the West Wing, and then walk away ominously. You're so right. I never even thought about that. Yeah, they'd be like, can we help you find your parents? That's a really good point. So there you go. Wow, that's a great story, Chloe. Thank you for sharing that with our listeners. We we have never had a firsthand account of a time travel or possible time travel experience. And to me, this sounds like if it's the elevator game or if it's just straight up time travel, like doesn't matter because either way, it sounds like you entered, I don't know, like a different timeline or a, a different, different dimension, dimension or went back in time. Yeah. What yeah. was your state of mind before? Like, I'm just trying to figure out if we could somehow like force time travel, like if we could make this happen for ourselves. How did it. you do this? Yeah. I think I was, I was always kind of a panicky kid. Now, as you know, I'm still a very anxious human. So <laughs> I think I was just like panicking because my cousins were being dummies and just like went crazy and pressed every button and hit the emergency button. And I was just like, oh my God, I didn't sign up for this. And I was freaking out. And especially when they jumped off And you know, when you like get panicky and somebody does something and you're like instinct is to follow them, but then we couldn't. So there was even more panic because we got stuck on the elevator and who likes to be stuck in a small space on an elevator? Like very claustrophobic. And you're also like, is this thing just going to randomly drop like the tower of terror or something? Yeah. So I definitely was in a state of, I wouldn't say full on panic, but yeah, fear and 
and slight panic. Interesting. Well, I'm glad you survived that experience and you were able to get back to the correct timeline and like find your family. I know. Natalia and I were just talking about how scary that would be to against your will be like transported to a different time and then not be able to find your way back. Absolutely. Chloe has mentioned that she never did any like detective work. She never like went to the website and looked at any rooms or anything. I pulled up a bunch of photos of the historic rooms that I sent to Alyssa earlier. I'm going to text some to you, Chloe, and you tell me if these look familiar or if this place was other than the pictures that I'm sending to you. Oh, fun. Okay. So I sent Chloe some photos of what the historic suites look like at the Greenbrier. No, this isn't at all. Like, that's not what it oh, looks really? like. And well, it, that's what it looks like now or like when we would stay there, if that makes sense. But right. that's not what it looked like in the time when I went back. Okay. <sighs> wow. So it's unexplainable. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. I don't know, Alyssa. What do you think? This story is wild. This is wild to me. Well, first of all, I believe you, Chloe. Thank and you. And also, yeah, I also just feel like, I don't know. I'm like, I kind of want it to be an elevator game experience. I don't, right. I don't know, but I have to think about it more. I need to go back and reread all of the rules of the elevator game and, and think about it more because I can't decide if it's just a straight up time travel or if it's an elevator game parallel ghost universe. Yeah, experience. I think that is up for debate for sure. But yeah, yeah looking at these pictures, the one thing that I'm thinking is I feel like where we went, the rooms were not as fancy as this. They were just mm-hmm. like more chill rooms, if that makes sense at all. Right. But if yeah. you look in this one photo, if you want to reference it, Nat, like it's super pink and red stripes and there's this right. like big wooden cabinet. It's like that yeah. kind of wood is exactly what everything was like. Like mahogany furniture, yeah, with like intricate carvings. Right. Well, that Ooh. that would make sense because they've kept a lot of their furniture the same. They've kept their antiques. And so if you were to have gone back by either time travel or some sort of parallel universe experience, I'm not sure, then it would still be the same furniture because they that's why they're the historic suites because they've brought in the historic furniture. Yeah, that's very true. Thank, Thank you for you, giving Chloe. us an, an interview. Yeah, I was very excited. So uh, to our listeners, go ahead and let us know what you make of Chloe's experience put up against the backdrop of the other time slip and portal experiences that we've talked about so far on the podcast. And also yeah, to I'm our listeners, curious. go to at Let's Get Haunted. And when you see the photo dump for this episode, episode 58, go ahead and leave any questions that you might have for Chloe. And I mean, we can't guarantee that she'll respond, but if she has time, she might go through those questions. And if she has an answer, maybe she'll respond because I'm wondering like, if we, if the entire haunted fam, if we can put our heads together and figure out what Chloe experienced, that because I know this right. is a story that I'm going to be thinking about for a really long time. So if like anyone haunted doctor, yeah, if anyone has <laughs> any questions or ideas of what it was, please leave a comment on the photo dump. Yeah, I'd love that. And anyways, I can like capitalize on helpful time travel energy to like make my life better. <laughs> that would be cool. Yeah, <laughs> I feel that. I feel that. Well, thank you so much, Chloe, for coming on the show and giving us an interview and is there anything you want to promote I know you've got a TikTok and an Instagram and IMDB and a bunch of stuff but where can people find you if they want to continue to follow you for sure thank you first of all seriously I even though Nat you're my friend and Alyssa it's funny because Alyssa and I have only met I think like twice actually in person but I feel like I know Alyssa so well because (laughs) of Nat it's just so funny but thank you guys for having me because it's I love your podcast so much yeah my boyfriend listened to it all the time and we always hum your 
your theme song. It's the best. So thank you so much. Honored to be on here. We're honored to have you. Yes, the nut button. Yes. It's at Chloe Carabasi is all of my social media, basically. But I'm probably the most active on Instagram. And yeah, if you guys have any insight on to what happened to me and if there's any tropes or I'd be or if you think I'm making all of this up or I was, you know, a traumatized child who used false memories to think she time traveled, like, feel free to hit me with that, too. No, do not. <laughs> don't invite we that. Not, we, we don't have. Skeptics. No, we are not a skeptic podcast. Everyone only ask questions if you are a believer. Right. We're going to figure this out. Okay, that's fair. All right. Thank you so much, you guys. <laughs> Thank Thanks, you, Chloe. Chloe. Bye. See you, later. See you in the future. Yeah. <laughs> Alyssa, how about that story? That was pretty wild. I got the chills when she said that they went back down to the lobby and they were like, hey, we were just in the West Wing. And the person at the lobby was yeah. like, no, that was demolished. So fucking scary i just can't get the idea of the elevator game out of my head and i just know i'm going to be thinking about this for a really long time that was my first thought when i heard that as i was like oh does the elevator access like a different time and then maybe the scary woman that you meet is like a time traveler who's stuck there i don't know I'm finding, though, throughout all of these stories that it seems like there's a sort of paranormal thread that weaves through all of these time traveler stories. So maybe time travel isn't just you go to a different time like that. Like maybe there's some sort of paranormal thing going on with it. Maybe going to the past is like ghosts of the past. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I was just about to say, we've mentioned this before on the podcast that, you know, maybe ghosts are just time travelers. Like maybe it's mm-hmm. some sort of like echo of a time travel situation that's certainly a theory that some people have yeah they do seem definitely like interwoven like the idea of ghosts and time travelers and aliens even like all of that stuff kind of like right could be there's a theory that they could all be the same thing who knows right if we think about aliens from some distant planet billions of light years away then if they wanted to come to earth and visit us they would have to use time travel otherwise by the time they got to us, it would be like billions of years later. Right. 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 Yeah. They'd either need and everything access would be to different. Yeah, technology that we don't understand or use their technology to travel through a wormhole that would bring them to like a different time to where they could visit us. Yeah. It's just makes my head Me spin. Too. So some more evidence of time travel exists in archaeology. Do you know what an O-part is? O-O-P-A-R-T? No. O-O-P-Art, which is an out-of-place artifact. It's an artifact of historical, archaeological, or paleontological interest found in an unusual context, which challenges conventional historical chronology by its presence in that context. The term is used in, quote, fringe science, such as cryptozoology, as well as proponents of ancient astronaut theories, young Earth creationists, and paranormal enthusiasts. OO parts are often frustrating to conventional scientists and a delight to adventurous investigators and individuals interested in alternative scientific theories. Now, I'm going to show you an OO part now. Go ahead and look at your photos. Yes. So this, we actually, I recognize this photo. We talked about this in episode. From a listener Yeah, story, right? episode 40 and a half, yeah. listener stories. This was uh, from the Ural Mountains, I think, right? Yes, exactly. So just to recap on that, in 1991, the appearance of extremely tiny coil-shaped artifacts found near the banks of Russia's Kozem, Narada, and Balbanyu rivers brought about a debate that has continued to this day. 
These mysterious and minuscule structures suggest that there may have been a culture capable of developing nanotechnology 300,000 years ago. So these are like tiny coils and the smallest one is one ten thousandth of an inch. A lot of them exhibit golden mean proportions. And basically scientists have looked at them and said through processes of dating them, they have found that they are extremely old and that they are made through a technological device, which people 300,000 years ago wouldn't have had. Right. They were found at a depth between 10 and 40 feet in a geological stratus between 20,000 and 318,000 years old. And scientists are asking, how were humans able to manufacture such tiny components in the distant past? And what were they used for? Some believe that the coils proved the human race enjoyed a sophisticated level of technology in the Pleistocene era, while others assert that the findings are a work of extraterrestrials. And oddly enough, the articles were being studied at four different facilities in Helensky, St. Petersburg, and Moscow. However, further research into these tiny structures ended in 1999 with the death of Dr. Johannes, which was a principal researcher of the find. So looking at those images, don't they look like little springs? Like they don't look like anything you could make without a machine. Yeah, definitely. They definitely look like very intricate metal screws and pieces of some type of machinery. Right. And then the second OO part that I sent you are those spheres. Are you familiar with the spheres? I'm not. These look like, you know, old timey times where they would load shotguns with like pellets. I can just picture some guy in the Civil War or something like using one of those things that look like a chimney sweep to like push down into their gun. To push down through the barrel of the gun. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It definitely looks like something you would need some sort of modern like blacksmith or modern machine to make. However, they are four thousand five hundred million years old. This is the quote. Over the past several decades, South African miners have found hundreds of metallic spheres, at least one of which has three parallel grooves running around its equator. The spheres are of two types, quote, one of solid bluish metal with white flecks and another which is a hollow ball filled with a white spongy center. The sphere in the photos that I sent you were found in a Precambrian mineral deposit, making them an unlikely 4,500 million years old. Some of the spheres can be seen at the Museum of Klerksdorp, South Africa. At least 200 of the spheres have been found and extracted out of deep rock at the Wonderstone Silver Mine in South Africa, averaging 1 to 4 inches in diameter and composed of a nickel-steel alloy that doesn't occur naturally. Some have a thin shell of about a quarter inch thick and when broken open are filled with a strange spongy material that disintegrates into dust upon contact with air. I, I like don't even it's it just sounds like complicated like no way it could be that old. <laughs> Why is it there? Right. Like, (laughs) LGH just begs the question, if we have so much evidence of time travel, why is time travel still unaccepted as mainstream means of transportation? That's a great question, Natalia, one that I do not have the answer to. I'm, but I think we should just start a protest. Like, we want time travel. We want it now. Oh, wait, no. It, isn't that a joke where it's like, what do we want? Time travel. When do we want it? It's irrelevant. <laughs> if it happened in the future, then it happened right. now. Yeah. The last O part that I'm going to show you is that footprint. Do you see that footprint? I do. So what I'm looking at is a picture of, 
Yeah, just a footprint. It looks like a footprint in a rock almost. It's like a shiny, wet, gray rock or maybe like a muddy surface or something. And it's like a perfect footprint. Like you can see every toe. There's five of them. You can see like, Mm -hmm. like, you know, when the arch of a foot kind of goes up, like you can really see every single part of the foot in this footprint. Right. It's perfect. So in 1987, paleontologist Jerry McDonald discovered a wide variety of fossilized tracks from several different species of animals and birds located in a Permian strata. Among the various fossilized tracks were the clear prints of a human foot. However, the Permian strata has been dated from 290 to 248 million years ago, millions of years before animals, birds, dinosaurs, and yes, man was supposed to exist. How then can these prints be explained? And in July of 1992, the Smithsonian Magazine had an article on these tracks called Petrified Footprints, a Puzzling Parade of Permian Beasts. And the magazine acknowledged the mystery, acknowledging, quote, what paleontologists like to call problematic. It described what appeared to be a large mammal and a bird tracks that were evolved long after the Permian period, yet the tracks were clearly Permian. So though I got this this article off this website that's like kind of passive aggressive <laughs> towards scientists. Uh-huh. And so the article continues, while it's commendable that McDonald and the Smithsonian clearly acknowledge the existence of these tracks in a strata that contradicts the current evolutionary theory, it is noteworthy that they highlight only the mammal and bird prints and don't even mention the human footprint found with them. (laughs) Interestingly enough, since these tracks have been discovered, evolutionists have not tried to argue their authenticity or debunk them, nor have they tried to argue that the footprint isn't human. Often they claim that a print that just looks like a human footprint, their silence is deafening. So this footprint is basically a footprint that shows up at a time where there shouldn't be footprints because humans don't exist. Right. And so now this is something that sort of like the creationists have held on to. And also it's something that like modern scientists are like, we don't talk about that. Like it just doesn't make sense with any of our theories. And I'm here to present a different idea. What if, you know, it wasn't that humans had evolved long before we thought they were or that they didn't evolve at all? What if it was time travelers? Yeah. No, I think that theory makes more sense than some like Adam and Eve situation where like, I don't know, like you said, this is like being used by creationists to argue their point. Yeah. To argue that like evolution like actually didn't exist in the way that is silly we all know but however okay hear me out you guys what if adam and eve were time travelers oh my god how no you have to keep going why that's the theory that's it that's it that's all i'm saying well they could be so they would be like extraterrestrial time travel they don't have to be extraterrestrials what if they're just from a different timeline where earth had already developed human life and then god you know, whatever the version of God that you believe in, plucked these two people from that timeline and transplanted them into Earth as it was like developing. Oh, oh my God. No, wait. It's too uh, <laughs> It's too based. It's too it's deep insane. fried. <laughs> it's too it's too much. I'm I'm I I can't. I need someone to explain it. Someone in the comments explain it right now. <laughs> so Alyssa, I've told you about time travelers right out of place artifacts 
petrified human footprints in a time before mankind. Time slips. Men that acclaim to be from another land but disappear. Men that claim to be from the past and make a bunch of money. I've told you about men that come out of time portals and crash into tax service centers. How are you feeling right now? Well, now that you've just recapped it, I'm starting to realize that most of the people who time travel are men. And that's making me upset. But Chloe. Yeah, okay, Chloe. So Chloe's repping for the women. But she might be haunted. We're not sure. Do we have any non-binary listeners that have time traveled? I would. I just want to hear like the full spectrum of time travel because right now it's pissing me off to think that maybe only men in the future have <laughs> access to time travel because Chloe's was an accident. Like the guy that was trying to right. like drive through the tax center, he's like, I'm trying to get back to my timeline. And then the guy that came back yeah. and was like, I have the cure for AIDS. Like, I, you know what I mean? Right. Like they, theirs were purposeful. I just, I need some more representation from other genders. Uh, Maybe maybe women are just smart enough not to say anything oh. about it. Like maybe there are female time travels travelers and they're like, you know, I'm not going to even bother like telling anyone about yeah, this. Yeah, like right I know now. this will end poorly for me. <laughs> the government will try to get a hold of me and get me to reveal my secrets and I'm just like not about it. I just want to I just want to go back in time, step in this prehistoric mud and then like come back to my original timeline. <laughs> <laughs> So let's talk about the theories. Uh, we've got time portals, okay? Mm-hmm. And then we've got maybe this is just a conspiracy, like modern scientists are ignoring French science because it challenges their worldview and it might get them fired or ostracized, right? right? We've also got that time travel is just this uncontrollable thing that just sort of happens to you, like those time slips where people are going on about their day and then find themselves in the past and then come back. We've also got the idea that the ghosts or the paranormal, I don't know how, but they just are causing it, like Chloe's situation. Okay. Um, We also have the idea that deities or heavenly creatures somehow slow down time because time passes in heavens or uh, differently than it does below as some of the mythology and folklore was telling us fables ets we don't know how it's not our job to know (laughs) how but the ets are somehow connected to time travel yeah i mean i so out of everything that we've discussed today i think we both know that for me it's always aliens but i have been trying to mm. give different answers on different episodes because it's going to suck if I just keep saying aliens uh, for the solution to everything. So what I will say right. is that to me, it's the idea of time slips are super intriguing. I love that idea. I love hate it, right? Like it's so horrifying mm-hmm. to me, the idea of just going about your life and suddenly you're in a like completely different dimension or space time universe or whatever that you're not supposed to be a different timeline that to me is the most intriguing and would honestly like make a lot of sense because if time travel does exist the average person is not going to have access to it like that video you showed me about Mm -hmm. um time police quote unquote like saying what you can and can't do so to me the idea of just like accidentally being able to slip into time is the most intriguing because if it does exist you, you and I will never have access to it. Only like the elites mm-hmm. would have access to it, right? Or only scientists would have access right. to it. So if we're ever going to be able to time travel, it's going to be something like what Chloe did where you just accidentally time travel. So to me, that's the most intriguing mm-hmm. um, theory or idea out of all of the ones presented today. It seems like time travel must be a proponent of 
a lot of things. You know, because like the space-time continuum has taken two ideas, space and time, <laughs> and like meshed them together. And it's just like widely accepted by everyone that that's like a real thing, right. you know? And to me, that's very hard to wrap my head around that like space and time are the same even though I've seen the diagrams and all of that shit. So like no one try to fucking mansplain this shit to me. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm just saying it's fucking crazy to think that time, which is intangible and space, which is intangible are like a tangible thing that we can fold and stuff. Okay? Yeah. I get what you're saying. I get you. So yeah. So I feel like it's got to be a part of, you know, traveling for ETs or things from very distant lands in distant times I don't think it's as like outlandish as it as it's portrayed to be you know and that's kind of like the scariest part about it is it's like it's definitely going to show up at some point in throughout the universe you know we're gonna figure it out well I'm definitely like I want any listeners listening to this right now that have personal experiences with quote-unquote glitches in the matrix or like time travel experiences like the one chloe talked about please comment in the soundcloud comments or on the instagram comments in the photo dump for this episode because i would love to hear some more firsthand accounts i think like firsthand Mm -hmm. accounts to me are so much more interesting than like obviously the science is also very interesting but like you said if you're not someone who's like scientifically inclined it's like a lot to think right. about so for me I love hearing the firsthand accounts totally yeah oh the other thing I wanted to say is perhaps psychics transport to the past and in the future you know it seems like they have some sort oh, of like astrally projecting themselves yeah. yeah I I believe that yeah but that's my story I, that was a great episode Natalia thank you so much I really enjoyed that and anytime we can have an interview like that just makes it so much more real to me yeah with the time traveler <laughs> thank you Chloe thank you Natalia oh yeah you're welcome so do you want to do our sign off BRB gotta go drive real fast and try to break into a time portal <laughs> <laughs> bye, bye. My sources for this episode were ranker.com, ancient-origins.net, ancient-wisdom.com, huffpost.com, medium.com, english.newsnationtv.com, express.co.uk, also vinepair.com.